Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. You know, those notices were fast, weren't they? Do you think she might be hungry or something? <laughs> there, there's a treat for you both. Look, you can have it. Praise God. Why don't you turn in your Bible to the book of Luke, please? And uh, 24, Luke 24. Hallelujah. I also want to say thank you to the worship team this morning. What an excellent uh, time of worship we had. Thank you. And. Uh, I appreciate that that comes from um, both their skill and their talent and their and their their spirituality. It also comes because they have planned and you know given time to rehearse. So thank you, team. Also saw some great pictures online of uh, the Aspire Day the other day, the Ladies' Day. That looked like a great day. So well done, well done, team Aspire. Have you found Luke 24? All those there say aye. Verse 13 is where I want to pick us up, if I may. And uh, the title of my message today is Blind Spot. Blind Spot. Now that same day, this is Easter Day. Maybe in the afternoon, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still. Well, I want you to say that with me. They stood still, said, they stood still. Yeah, I want you to notice that. Their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and don't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. Before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. 
They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Jesus said to them, verse 25, how foolish you are. And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself as they approached the village <coughs> excuse me to which they were going Jesus acted as if he were going further but they urged him strongly stay with us it's nearly evening the day is almost over so he went in to stay with them when he was at the table with them he took bread gave thanks broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Now you see me? They asked each other. Were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road. And open the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven. And those with them assembled together. And saying, it is true. The Lord has risen. And has appeared to Simon. And the two of them told what had happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when he when he broke the bread. Father, I thank you for this wonderful story and the truth of it, the power of it. But I also believe there's so much I think we can learn from this account. And so I pray that the word of the Lord will come to many in these next few minutes. I pray that the Holy Spirit will seize me And I pray the Holy Spirit will seize all our hearts. Lord, we're reliant upon you for something to take place for the changing of lives. And this is my prayer. Move, Holy Spirit, today. Let that old verse in Acts 10 be fulfilled again, that while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell. And so I pray, open these scriptures to us, just as you opened them to Cleopas and his companion that day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I remember when I was first a Christian. Uh, in 1988, I became a Christian. I was 18, 19. And I, uh, I read this story. And I thought, that's so strange. I'd never seen this bit in the films. You know, in the Jesus movies. And 
TV shows or whatever. Never saw this bit. Never heard about NRE at school because I go back that far, you know. And uh, this bit where Jesus walks with them, but they don't, they don't recognize him. I find it fascinating. And I want to ask the question here today. Why? Why did Cleopas and his companion, there might have been a married couple, or it might have been two men walking together, friends. Why is it that they didn't see him? He was right there. They walked together for seven miles. I am reliably informed by Jane how long seven miles takes to walk. A couple of hours. So for something like a couple of hours, we're not quite sure when he joined them. Are you imagine if Jesus was sat with you for two hours? You'd think you'd see him, but they didn't see him. I want to ask the question, why did they not see him? And the reason why I ask the question is for all our benefit, for my benefit and yours. How is it that God can be with us so close and we cannot see him? So we're not really looking at them. We're looking at us. Now, I've thought of three reasons why, <coughs> excuse me, they didn't see him. You can perhaps think of many more. Why was Jesus in the blind spot? Remember the first time I heard that phrase, learning to drive so many years ago. And my driving instructor, who by the way was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> dear, dear. Um, I wanted to pass my test just to get away from him, you know. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that was all part of his master plan. But um, I remember the first time he, he showed me the blind spot. He walked out, he got out the car, he walked down the side, and he said, can you see me? And I said, no, I'm looking in the mirror. No, because there's a certain spot, isn't there? Your blind spot. If you're a driver, you'll know exactly what I mean. And if you're not a driver, that should terrify you about taking a lift from anybody. <laughs> that there is a certain bit where you just can't really, and you have to just be a bit more careful to look. And the blind spot isn't far away, it's actually quite near. I want to ask you this morning if Jesus has been in your blind spot for a little bit. And to ask why. So why did these two not see him? Here are my three, you can think of more. Number one, so simple. They had just received the most devastating period of their lives, a colossal disappointment. They had just experienced a colossal disappointment. And when we face colossal disappointment, it's, it's hard to sing it away. It's hard to um, just get up and just think, well, I'm going to sing as high as on the sparrow. And somehow that'll just 
brush it away. Of course that will help. And of course that's what we should do. But we are spirit, soul and body, aren't we? So we have spirits that might be alive, but hearts that can be broken. And a mind, certainly, that can be deeply confused. And even disappointed, I'm going to dare to say it, disappointed, wrongly, but disappointed with God. These two guys, or this married couple, whoever they were, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They were right. They believed that he was powerful in word and deed. They were right. They believed that he had come to redeem Israel. They were right. They believed that he would do that by destroying the Roman forces and liberating the land. They were wrong. And the reason why, is everyone listening to me? The reason why they were disappointed was because God had not done something that he was never, ever going to do. The reason why they were disappointed and downcast was because God, I want to say it again, had not done something that he was never planning to do. They thought he was. And they were wrong. God was never going to, in 30 AD, kill off Pilate, drive out the Roman forces from the streets of Jerusalem. He was going to do something greater than they could ever have imagined. He was going to redeem the world. He wasn't going to destroy the power of Rome. He was going to destroy the power of Satan. And he did. He did. But you see, if you have got it in your head, this is what the Lord is going to do. And then he doesn't do it. There can be this thing where you go, well, I can't be wrong. It must be God. (laughs) I, I wouldn't get it wrong. I've had a prophecy. Brother Diggling himself ministered unto me. I had a dream. I knew it. You didn't know it. You were wrong. No. You see, and it, it's awful. Something Jane taught me years ago. She said this once in a meeting we had at Madison, which I thought was fantastic. She said, The longer I go on as a Christian, the more I realize this. God very rarely shows us the future. But he does order our steps. And so I live in the confidence that God's going to order my steps. I'm not living in the confidence that I'm going to know the future. In fact, if anything, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Doesn't the book of James say, we shouldn't say we'll do this or this. We should say, if God wills it, we should do this or this. I wonder how many, listen, listen, let's just talk today. Can we talk? I wonder how many millions, and it will be millions, of charismatic Christians there are around the world today 
who feel that God has let them down because he hasn't done something that he was never going to do. But they were sure he was. They told him to do it. <laughs> you, I've often said it before, we think God is like the genie from Aladdin. He's not. We're the genie. We're supposed to tell him, what do you want me to do? Not the other way around. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you. And, and this doesn't just have to work with things like prophecies and dreams. This can work with prayer. Where we desperately have prayed for something. Friend, you've got to have a God that can say no to you. You've got to have a father and a mother that can say no to you. You've got to have people in authority that can say no to you. But you've definitely got to have a God who can say no to you. You've got to. He's God. And if God says no, that's an answer. Well, it's not the answer I want. I think I'll put my application in again. The, the answer's no. No, 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 no. I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> the answer's no. Sometimes not yet. Sometimes yes. Sometimes now. Sometimes sometime. But God can say no. I had a friend who passed away recently. He was called John. And uh, I think about him. He was from Rotherham. And we, we really prayed for him that God would heal him. He had cancer. We prayed for him that God would heal him. God did not heal him. God took him to be with himself. And of course we were sad. But God's got the right. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I'll tell you this. If we went up to heaven now and went up to John and tapped him on the shoulder in the midst of that glorious worship in Revelation chapter 4, he probably doesn't want to come back to Rotherham. Or even Cherry Hinton. Or Milton. He doesn't. And you see, these kinds of disappointments can absolutely throw us. Let me put it even stronger. Sometimes when we're praying, we want, let's, let's take that example. We want God to heal our friend John. And God doesn't heal John. John dies. And now we've got the grief of John. But we've also got the grief of our God who didn't heal John. It's a double funeral. Not only has John died, but the God we thought was going to do something has also sort of died. Because it's all in our mind. So many times God just was never going to do what you thought. And we must surrender to his will. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus did not pray, let your will be done. He prayed this, not my will, but yours be done. 
And I have to say, I have to wake up every day and whatever scenario I'm in, not my will, but yours be done. I can't tell you the number of things I thought God was going to do over the last five years. I got my passport ready. One time, Jenny and I were going to open up a B&B. We were, about a year ago. I had a job interview, and it went so well. It was in a Premier Inn. It was. It was on Zoom. And I sat there, and I assure you, I was wearing a suit from here to about here. <laughs> I, was just, I was just dreading they were going to say, shall we all stand? <laughs> Do you like my pajamas? <laughs> I'd love to go on Zoom with some people and say, can you just turn the camera a minute? And we'll see all the trash just six inches off the uh, camera. I was so excited. I got this job and I went out into London. I went down into the West End. And there's a theatre where they have very bad Wi-Fi. But I happen to know where the best spot is. So I went there to this particular bit. And I may have told this story before. And I thought, I'm going to take a selfie. Because I occasionally do this. I thought, I'm going to take a selfie. Quite high up, you know. I, I didn't have my drone, but my arm will do. <laughs> always, always take it from above, folks. And, uh, <laughs> and as I'm holding it up, I, I get an email. And I thought, I'm going to capture the moment when I get this job. Because the interview was great. You know, I, I did great. I thought they're probably falling over themselves thinking, how can we pay him more? <laughs> so I'm there with my phone. And then, because I'm in the Wi-Fi area, the, the, the reception kicks in and I get the email. No. No. Didn't mention my, you know, pyjamas or anything, but no. And I thought, I'll take the picture anyway. <laughs> So on my phone, I've got a picture of me looking a bit cheesed off in the... Like, great. Not my will. But you see, here's the thing. When we feel God has failed us or it hasn't gone the, the way we thought, and this, this covers a myriad of things. House moves, what, what you wanted to happen with your children, what you'd planned for your life, what you wanted to do, your health, your mental health. All sorts of things. What happens is this. Do you remember I got you to read it out? They stood still. And in a moment of disappointment, you see, it stops us. God wants you to go on with him. Paul says, <laughs> over in that wonderful prison epistle, I press on. So we have to press on. But of course, <laughs> when we're hit by these kinds of disappointments, then we stand still. Now, face is downcast. Now, of course, when terrible things happen, of course, you should have a season to recover. I'm talking about emotionally, <laughs> mentally. Be good to yourself. You are an emotional creature, and you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to recover from terrible things. It's supposed to take time. It's not an overnight thing. Nevertheless, there comes a time when we say, but I need to, I need to walk on. And the worst bit of 
a big disappointment and a big spiritual confusion. It's sometimes worse for Christians. Your atheist, mate, when something goes wrong, his expression is, well, rubbish happens, or something similar to that. <laughs> Bad things happen. But you, you know there's a God who could have done something different. So it creates something different in you. But hear the word of the Lord today. Maybe the Lord wants to speak to you and say, just to remind you that we know in part, we prophesy in part. He knows everything. It's not about prophecies coming to pass. It's not even about our prayers being answered the way we want. What God wants from me is that I trust him. If I trust him, I'll press on. Because guess what? The disappointment has put Jesus in the blind spot. And he's actually, he's right here. But I feel like, God, you've left me. You didn't do this. You, you said you were going to do this. No, no. Charismatic jumper Janet told you that God was going to do it. <laughs> so you've got to work out. Was charismatic jumper Janet right? Or God? I'll give you a minute to think about that. I wonder if Jesus is in your blind spot. Because things didn't go the, what, the way you thought. Because the irony is that everything's fine. The Lord is risen indeed. And has appeared to Simon. He's walking along with them. Everything's fine, but they can't see him. Reason number two. Why sometimes we don't see the Lord and, and perhaps why they didn't. This is a very simple one. They're just in such an ordinary place. <laughs> they are on a walk. <laughs> They're on a walk. This, I always imagine this to be like the countryside. or, or I don't really know, but it's a walk. You might remember the COVID walks we all used to do. Remember those? Weren't they fun? Weren't that great? Going for a walk. <laughs> As I drive around our village now, I see the places where I just used to walk up and down for hours. <laughs> just to be glad I was out the house. <coughs> Excuse me. Seven mile walk. In just It's like nowhere. I'll tell you where it, where it isn't. It's not the temple. It's not a holy location. It's not a sanctified location. It's not in a church. It's not in a life group. They're just walking Sunday afternoon. You say, well, I believe God could operate anywhere. Do you really? Let me ask you this question. Is God more likely to talk to you and speak to you Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon? And if your answer is Sunday morning, then we all have, we all have something to learn. 
God ministered to them Sunday afternoon. Now, it's not the timing that I'm thinking about. It's the location. God can be with a couple of foolish lads in a car who've let the handbrake off. Can't he? Do you think that as they let the handbrake off and the car was rolling, that someone came running up along the car singing Waymaker? (laughs) Again? (laughs) Oh, it was a few years ago, wasn't it? Shine Jesus, shine perhaps. few weeks ago, I was in Athens, and I went to uh, Mars Hill, the Areopagus, which is where Paul preached the Athenians. It's in Acts 17. I've been threatening to write a book on this for years. Maybe one day I will. And uh, I thought it would be great to be able to say in the book that I've been there, so I thought I'd better go there, so I don't have to lie in the book. It's not good to lie in a Christian book. And uh, I'll take my own pictures. So I haven't got to get sued by someone off Google for borrowing theirs. Anyway, I went, climbed up Mars Hill, and uh, oh, about halfway up anyway. Didn't quite get to the top. Uh, and, um, and I noticed that when Paul would have stood there on that hill, if, if that's the actual location... It might have been in a building then, of course. But I'm standing on this hill, and then just behind me is the Acropolis, which is giant Greek, you know, temples. And I noticed this. Paul says to the Athenians, a little little bit of Bible for those of you who love this kind of stuff. He says this to them. God does not live in temples. And that's when I realized... It's, it's like standing outside Buckingham Palace going, God does not live in palaces. Right? It's that sort of thing. Or running outside a church going, God doesn't live in churches. So Paul stands in front of one of the greatest temples in the world, their favorite place, and says, God does not live in temples. And that was coming up towards 2,000 years ago. But are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure that most of us still don't believe that. We still believe that by and large, God lives in temples. We still believe that by and large, God lives between 10 o'clock and midday. In a certain day of the week, in a certain place, on a certain chair, with a certain type of music being played. I love a God who's in every hour of my life. If you take out all the sleeping, there's about 120 hours in a week. (laughs) Depending on how much you sleep, of course. There's about 120 hours in a week. And about 10 hours of those, you'll be in church. That's for the really dedicated ones. 110 hours. And, And more. Most of us are nowhere near churches. Nowhere near life groups. Nowhere near other Christians. We're just working in our jobs, getting the shopping in, fighting with the kids, taking our medicines, trying to get to bed. 
trying to get through the traffic. That's the 110 hours of our lives. But hear the word of the Lord today. Jesus wants to be in all 110 hours of those, as well as the 10 hours that we might be engaging with churchy stuff. They didn't see him. Perhaps because it wasn't a fancy religious place. When we were going through our our five years of not really knowing what we were doing with our lives, Jane went off on a missions trip every, every other week. <laughs> Nearly every other week. <laughs> she just said that. She didn't. That's for those of you at home. In case YouTube didn't pick up the subtitles on that. But Jane went all around the world and I, neither of us really knew what, what on earth we were doing. She tried Timbuk 2 and then that didn't work so she went Timbuk 3 and etc. <laughs> she went to 11 a reef. All right, I'll stop there. And um, I don't know what I was doing either. I thought, well, what, what's really going to happen? And then one day I was in a certain city. Now, here's just a story. I was, I was in a certain city. I won't say where. Not too far from here. And there was a concert going on in a concert hall. And I thought to myself, I bet the guy who's singing at this concert would really like to meet me. I did. I thought, he'll be desperate to have a selfie with me. Desperate. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if we met? Now, he's extremely famous. He would not meet me. Right? So this is a really famous person who might appear at a concert hall. Um, shall, I, shall I tell you who it was? Yeah, yeah I'm just not going to. <laughs> so, so I'm around the... Now, the concert is like 7.30 that night. He probably won't even appear till half eight. Something like that. So, and I'm down at the concert hall about half past three. Just looking around... Uh, thinking, where's he going to come out? What door? And then thinking, is this what stalking is? <laughs> so I see a door where I think maybe that's the way in and out of this hall that's not the public door. And I walk towards it. And just as I walk towards it, he walks out. And we're looking at one another. And he says to me, oh, I've wanted a selfie with you. <laughs> no, I, no, I, no, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> no, he didn't say that at all. I said, oh, it's great to see you now. We had a bit of a chat and, and he wasn't very nice to me. And don't ever meet your heroes. <laughs> Shall I tell you who it was? Yeah, I'm just not going to. <laughs> but really famous. Like, you know, Barack Obama type famous. You know, no, but, you know, pretty famous. I'm, I'm not talking about a TV gardener. I'm talking about, you know, a, very, a worldwide name. Anyway, I walked away. And I sort of thought, what happened there? <laughs> like, uh, how did that happen? Now, look, he's just a celebrity. He's, he's just an ordinary person. He needs Christ. He's not special. But something special happened. And I realized, Lord, you 
can put me anywhere you want to put me. At any time. Without my knowledge. I don't even have to be guided. Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I walked away from that door. Now it's nothing to do with the celebrity stuff. That's, that's just folly. But as I walked away, I, I'd actually just met God. I don't mean the celebrity. I mean the encounter. Because I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And as I'm walking away, I'm thinking, Lord, if you want to put me somewhere, you can put me somewhere. I don't have to know what's going on. You can do whatever you want. And I want to tell you. That as I walked towards that concert hall, no one came alongside with a guitar playing Good, Good Father. God doesn't live in temples. Jesus wants to be in the 110 hours of our lives. Just nothing to do with church. He wants to be our personal savior. I mean, we don't really tell people the truth, do we? We tell them, oh, I'm not religious. I've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. But when it all boils down to it, you've got about eight hours attached to some sort of Christian thing. God wants to be in it all. He is in it all. Don't put God in the blind spot. I want a God who's with me in the car, don't you? Especially around here. <laughs> it's a cyclist. It's funny when I come back here. Suddenly it's like cyclists. It's like going into a new level in some sort of like video game. Oh. <laughs> You don't get a lot of cyclists in South Yorkshire. <laughs> I want a God who's with me when I'm on my own. Look, by and large, I'm going to say so. I hope you'll understand what I mean. By and large, when we're here in church today, there's a level of acting going on for us all. The real me is when I'm on my own. It's not even when I'm with changes. The real me and the real you is when you're on your own. You walked in here today with eight problems. Some said, how are you? You said, fine. <laughs> I want a God who's with me when I'm upset, sitting on the end, end of my bed. This is the God he wants to be. I am with you always. I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. But what do we do? Instead we pop him in the blind spot. Well, I can't wait to get to church. God does not live in temples. In fact, the full verse is this. God does not live in temples made by man. But he does live in temples that he himself has made. And the third reason. And finally, why? You see, I'm finishing before the coronation. <laughs> the third reason, finally, why they didn't recognize him. It's the one that you knew right from the off, wasn't it? Because they were kept from recognizing him. 
So the first reason is they were desperately disappointed. We had hoped. But our hopes have gone astray so so they couldn't see God. Because what they'd hoped for wasn't what God was ever going to do. Second reason was because they're just out on a walk. An ordinary secular place. But God lives in those places. Where can I go from your spirit? The third reason is they were kept from recognizing him. I always thought this was odd. This happened. He must have disguised his visage in some way. They didn't know him. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, it'll be about verses, might be verse 12. Anyway, towards the end, it says, he appeared to them in a different form. Whatever that means. But it means that he, he looked different. He looked different. But something happened. And by the way, I've not finished. Here comes something for you that I hope will bless you. He hid himself from them. And yet he revealed himself to them. What do I mean? Well, starting with Moses and all the prophets, we read it. He explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. We must have a word-based Christian faith. There's only one book that you own that has the breath of God in it. It's called the Bible. I know you've got some lovely paperbacks. They're lovely. I I know some Christian books are lovely. Especially the one, God loves you just the way you are. With a picture of someone with plastic surgery on the cover. (laughs) Did you like that, Jerry? (laughs) Have you got that book, Jerry? (laughs) Give Jerry a round of applause. (laughs) He hasn't got the book, but he did get the joke. Christian books are lovely, but there's only one book with the breath of God in it. It's the Bible. I'm a Bible teacher. People ask me, what's the best version of the Bible? I always answer, the one you actually read. That's a good one. The one you read. (laughs) Well, I've got got the King James, the Queen James, I've got the Nair. Which one are you reading? got the ESV, the TSP, the SCS. I said, no, no, I think you'll find that's a sofa sale. Watch this. Holy Spirit, bring a revelation now across the room. He hid himself, but he showed himself. He hid himself, but he showed himself. I love the anointing of the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, Jane and I were in some meetings at Easter. My goodness me. It was Easter Saturday. And the glory came down. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about? You, some of you know what I'm talking about, don't you? The glory came down. I'm an old-time Pentecostal, you know. I believe in this stuff. I believe in the fire. We're raising up a whole generation of Christians who are reliant upon flashy <coughs> lights and music. Only fire will change our country, you know. So we're in this place. The glory has come down. And I'm thinking, it's Easter Saturday. What's that? Easter Saturday? Like in the Bible, Jesus rests on Easter Saturday. <laughs> What's going on? I, 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 I just thought, I've never been in anything like it for years. So I want you to know that I believe in this stuff. And I want you to believe in this stuff. We need to see more of his glory in this room and in our lives. So it's not, I'm not preaching against it. We want to be under the spout where the glory comes out. We do. We want to be a river that's flowing. We want to have meetings where the presence of God is thick and we're not able to do anything. You know, like in the Old Testament where it says the priests couldn't function. They could not stand because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. So I believe there are, now that, I know that's Old Testament, but I believe there, there are kinds of meetings that can happen like that. The day of Pentecost is not in the Old Testament, but it was a meeting like that. Where the place is thick and full of the Holy Spirit. Where, where if you like, the Spirit of God is almost within reach of our five senses. Almost. Almost physical. But had it ever occurred to you that God might sometimes choose not to do that? Here he hid himself from their five senses in order to open their spirit to the word of God. That they might know about Jesus from the word of God. I want to say it again. So they might know about Jesus from the word of God. Not just from the chosen, not just from songs, it's all good stuff, but from the word of God. And when he appears to them, they break bread, and he, uh, that's another sermon of course, he breaks bread, they see him, that's another sermon for another day. But as they break bread and they see him and then he disappears... They don't stand up and say, wow, wasn't that amazing? They say this, did not our hearts burn within us when he walked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? May this house forever be a house where the scriptures are opened. We want the fire to fall and the scriptures to be opened. Say amen. It's not original to me, but you just have the spirit, you're going to blow up. You just only have the word, you dry up. But if you have both, you grow up. We want to grow up. And sometimes, listen to me now. Sometimes I wonder if God wants us to not have a Christianity that is reliant upon atmospheres and music. And feelings. 
but reliant upon trust in the word. Jesus could have said to them, I am alive, you can see me. But instead he wanted to say to them, look in the book and you'll see that it's true. In my theology class that I teach two or three times a week, I say this to the students all the time. You can't worship a God that you don't really know. You can't even follow a God that you don't really know. God's not who you think he is. God's who he says he is. And how can we know who he says he is? Well, we open the scriptures. I want you to get back into your Bible. Sometimes... There can be too much of a reliance on how am I going to feel today? The feelings are great. I want you to feel. May God touch you. I trust God has touched you today. But what's going to get you through those 110 hours is going to be your trust in the truth of God's word. He opened the script. So he hid himself from them and he showed himself to them from the text, from the Bible. I wonder if sometimes God will, you know, like you get these folks who have to have a patch over one eye to strengthen the weak eye. Sometimes God might take away that sense of his presence in order to strengthen what's weaker in you. You think God's not there. No, he's, he's in the blind spot, but you just need to open the scriptures and you see him. I had a student say to me last week, so funny, because he didn't know. He didn't know he was being funny. He just said, Peter, he said, I've noticed something about this place. All the people who are growing are people who read the Bible. I hoped I'm like, yeah. Isn't that bizarre? What a coincidence. What, the people who read the Bible are growing. Wow, that's bizarre. He went off to read the book of Acts for the first time. He kept sending me texts. You can't believe what's happening now. They've just stoned Stephen. It's like he was watching a Netflix serial. Oh, this Saul is awful. And then next text, Saul's been converted. Don't worry, I give him a Cockney accent. He's from Birmingham. God bless you, Neil, if ever you watch this video. He opened the scriptures to them. God hadn't left them at all. You say, well, I'm not feeling God too much. And sometimes when we go through stresses and strains, and a lot of people have ministered to with you know, depression and mental health, they don't feel God. They don't feel things. Sometimes I want to say to them, perhaps that's your superpower. Rather than being a disadvantage, maybe it'll bring you to this. He hid himself from them, but he absolutely showed himself to them from this. God in the blind spot. I wonder if the worship team can come back. God in the blind spot. Why didn't they see him? Because they'd hoped for something that he was never going to do. Can you, can we just issue a divorce 
between the God that we think we have and the real one. Can we just separate what you think God's going to do in your life with the reality of God himself? They're not the same thing. Our knowledge is fallible. We make errors. Sometimes we believe things because we just want them to be the case. We think God says something because it's what we really want. I never in the whole of my pastoral life had anyone come and sit with me and say, I believe God has spoken to me about martyrdom. bow our heads I want to release you I wonder if some people here today can just be a bit honest maybe you've blamed the Lord and we know from the book of Job that we're not really allowed to do that We're here to trust the Lord. We trust the Lord. And I wonder if some people here and others watching online or on YouTube, both now and in the future, will be able to say, Lord, actually, I, please, will you, will you forgive me? Lord, because I've been angry with you. I've been angry with you for something that I wanted and that maybe you were never, ever, ever going to do. I'm angry with you for not answering prayer. When in fact, Lord, maybe your answer was no. And I might be heartbroken over that. But Lord, something in me today says, Lord, I trust you. I don't trust my feelings. I don't trust my perceptions. I don't, I'm not trusting in my little book of prophecies. Good though, all those things sometimes can be, Lord, I trust you. because I want to be able to release you it might not mend some of the brokenness of your heart because disappointment's real but it might mean that you can move on when Jesus came alongside them they moved on there'll be others here who say well the Lord's left me because all these terrible things have been happening feels like God has left me and maybe you just need to hear a preacher reassure you today he certainly has not left you in fact 
we open up to him and as we're broken and as we're honest I wonder if God is as near to us as we'll ever ever know him and I want to pray that God will just release a sense of his presence and maybe it won't even be a feeling maybe just a revelation in your mind that God is in your car with you that God does go to work with you that God is in the front room when you're there with the kids that God is next to you as you lay there in your bed Jesus Christ as a young man most likely watched his father Joseph become ill and die Jesus knows what it is to sit at the side of a bed with people tell you today that we trust you. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.